It's time now for the Todd Leonard Show. Leave those negative stories behind as we focus on the positive and hear from those who give back and help others. Let's start your day with some inspirational stories. Now, here's your host, Todd Leonard. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for turning in today. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I'm still working off all the turkey and the tenderloin. My wife made quite a feast. I was on the treadmill this morning trying to burn a little extra off. I'm really, really blessed and honored today to have my great friends Ray and Luna Sabatia, who were kind enough to join us this morning, who really, in my opinion, embody the meaning of the show, which is giving back to the community and helping others in need. Uh, they're great friends of mine, and uh, it's really a pleasure to have them here. Uh, Ray is a very successful business owner. Uh, he founded Nisavaccia back uh, to uh, financial advisors and accounts over 45 years ago. It's grown to about 100 employees. And despite his very, very demanding schedule, he finds time to give back and help others in need. Uh, we're going to go over with him his numerous professional and civic organizations involvement and we're really going to talk about really how it all started for him similarly his son Lou Lou Nisavaccia I call him sweet Lou often uh, this is another classic example as the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree Lou is very successful as well runs a very good business here he's in the information technology field he's been providing outstanding service to the public for many years similarly he's very active in the community he's a Randolph Township Council person. He's involved in many boards and various civic organizations. And once again, it's a distinguished honor to have both of you here today. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you and your family. So, as you gentlemen know, I wanted to have you on to really talk about um, your civic involvement, your decision earlier in life to really get involved and help the community and if i may uh, ray maybe i can start with you um maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and and um the types of organizations you decided to devote your time to well i i think uh there was no real plan as to what you were i was going to get myself involved with i think things just happened uh, well, similar, you know, I'll give an example, the 200 Club of uh, Morris County, which we got very, very active in. Active in. I was uh, recruited by a, a member who was a client of mine in 1977, and that's when I joined the organization. He had explained to me what the organization did, which was really great because uh, I just happened to feel... The public at large takes for granted the public safety officials that we we have around us all the time. Uh, whenever we have an issue, they're there. And that's the only time we sort of recognize them. And I don't think that's necessarily fair, but this organization provides for tragedies. If, if a tragedy occurs, we are there to assist the family. And it's probably one of the greatest organizations I belong to. Right. I, I know that also um, your, your son, Lou, has also been very active in the 200 Club of Morris County. And we also had uh, Bill Lockwood, the current president of the 200 Club, on uh, recently. He's actually on the first show. 
And um, while we're on that subject of the first responder community, Lou, I, I know you've been involved also very, very uh, for a very long period of time. Um, when did you get involved with the 200 Club? Well, a, a close family member recruited me to join the club. Right, we were about gonna, 25 years ago. Okay, so you, you saw your dad get in, got involved, and something about it also gravitated to you to get involved as well. It's that whole big fate versus destiny okay. debate. <laughs> We're going to be doing that a lot today, I have a feeling. So, um, Ray, in terms of the 200 Club of Morris County, you've had uh, various positions within it. You also served very proudly as the president, and I know your son similarly. Um, the, the 200 Club, just who, who, is, uh, who makes up the 200 Club? Who, who's the membership? The membership consists of... Uh Everybody in Morris County, there is uh, primarily business owners, uh, businessmen, uh, people involved in the community. The whole purpose of it, you pay your $200 a year dues. That's the only thing that we do. That We have no fundraisers. The uh, dues goes to run the operation which is minimal because nobody gets paid other than our executive director and that's a part-time position and uh, we use the monies primarily for scholarships for, for the uh, assisting families of lost uh, lost public safety officials and that's what our main goal is. It's probably the greatest thing that we do. And, and it's probably the, th the thing that satisfies me the most about the organization. We're there for everybody. We're there for the family when they need us. And we try to help the children. And uh, Luke can probably explain some of the benefits that we give to the for the children in the, if something happens in the event of a, the loss of a public safety official. So, Ray, in terms of your involvement and commitment, uh, how many years have you been involved with the 200 Club of Morris County? Since 1977, uh, so it's probably about 42 years or so. Right, and that's obviously a tremendously long commitment to an, an incredibly important um, organization that serves our community every day, every moment. You never know when a first responder is needed to help you or your family or loved ones. Um, what happened, let's say, 42 years ago? I know you got recruited, but did you think you'd want to be involved and support the first responder community? I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know the organization existed and I'm, that's, I'm sure that's no surprise to anybody because many people do not know it exists. And when it was explained to me what the mission was, what we were trying to accomplish, I just thought it was a, just a fantastic idea. I just loved it. I, I, I thought I wanted to be a part of it. And it was easy. That's when I became a member. And I eventually started working on, in the, uh, you know, in a volunteer sense on some of the committees. Became the treasurer. Subsequently, uh, on the on the uh, in the presidency of the organization, which was probably one of the greatest things of my life. I got to meet a lot of great people, uh, and maybe to appreciate the law enforcement agencies a little more than you probably do normally. You, like I said earlier, you tend to take things for granted until you're needed. And uh, this is, you know, and in today's environment, when you see how police, for example, are abused, you know, everything's a joke. 
until something happens, then where are they? And that that's that's something I have difficulty getting over with. Yeah, there's no question, Ram. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I, I know that uh, when we had President Lockwood on a few weeks ago, I similarly espoused exactly what you said, which is uh, people want to uh, perhaps be very critical, but in, in a, really an emergency, they're praying people get there, the first responders get there as quick as possible. Lou, you've been involved, obviously. I, I realize you are, um, the, you've been the president as well for this important organization. Um, I know your father devoted so many years to it before you joined, but um, when you saw your dad make that commitment, did something register inside that you thought perhaps this is something you wanted to follow as well? Well, at the time, I recall wondering how he found the time, because anything of that magnitude, to do it right, you can't do it with a half effort. you got to go all in. And uh, I remember when I was president of the club, there were some weeks I was spending almost as much time um, tending to the responsibilities of the 200 club as I did my my regular full time job. And it's uh, it's a it's a very rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, echo what my father said that you meet a lot of great people, and um, you know, like most people, you know, we. Support many different organizations. Like I know, Dad, you support Wounded Warrior Project, and you support a lot of other things. But one of the nice things about the 200 Club of Morris County is it's local money staying right here, right here in Morris County, helping your neighbors, helping other members of your community, um, be a scholarship or, you know, God forbid, dependent aid for those children left behind when a first responder dies on line of duty. It's it gets right down to yeah. its base core of taking care of those around you. No, no question about it. It's an incredible cause. You know, one of the things that, you know, I'm obviously on the trustees as well for this great organization. One of the things that we, we do discuss is raising public awareness about this organization and what it stands for. Uh, do you gentlemen have uh, any ideas or uh, other things we can do together to maybe have everybody in the community understand how important it is to support the first responder community? Uh, Lou, any ideas on that? Well, Todd, it's very important for your listeners to know that anyone, not just a business owner, is eligible to join the 200 Club of Morris County. It's a very easy process, $200 a year dues. Um, a lot of families of first responders or friends of first responders often join the 200 Club as a way of saying thank you to their neighbor for helping out. You know, the history of the 200 Club was when it was first started, and you can speak to this, Dad, mm-hmm. is that the club worked anonymously, right? It was a very, I don't want to say secret, but it wasn't, you, you had to be asked to join. Yeah, it wasn't published uh, anywhere. You were you were solicited if they thought you would fit the, the mold of the uh, membership, and it obviously has changed because... We have changed with uh, what we provide, and we needed more members. I think we have almost a thousand members right now. And uh, Lou, maybe you can explain some of the benefits uh, that go on in the in the organization. You know what we give out in the sense of trying to help those who help us. So, in the event a first responder in Morris County 
loses her life in the line of duty, there's an immediate death benefit of $30,000. No questions asked to the spouse. And the dependent care for all children left behind is $10,000 per student per year up until they turn 18. And then if they go on to college, we increase the amount to $15,000 per year during their college years. So it's a it's a nice little assistance. No, and there's no question. I mean, as we highlighted, I mean, that's vitally important, especially in the holiday season. Uh, the first responder communities, in fact, are still manning the post. We might all be with our families and loved ones, and God forbid there's a tragic situation. They have to immediately respond and, and protect us all. I also note, since I've been so privileged to serve on the committee now, to see the great heroic efforts that are made by all the members of the first responder community. It's really staggering their commitment to all of us. Gentlemen, I, when I was preparing for this the show today, I noticed that both of you were involved uh, with the Boy Scouts of America. You both, in fact, received the Lifetime Achievement Award. And, um, Ray, wh- what was your um, kind of origination? How did you get involved with the Boy Scouts of America? Again, uh, I was asked by uh, someone who was involved at that time with Sheriff Rochford, and he... Uh, he presented my, uh, my name to the uh, to the committee to, for honor to be honored because of what I you know my involvements in the community and uh, and along with that it just expanded after that you know I, I, I emceed a couple of their uh, events I did uh, we try to support them financially our firm supports them financially. Uh, the, it, it's, you gotta get the youth in the right spot. And they do the right thing for the young people. And they generate a great leaders, future leaders. I mean, if you look at some of the leaders that we have in, uh, in Washington right now, uh, and many of them are, have, have been or are or were Eagle Scouts, which is really a commitment. It's a major commitment to become an Eagle Scout. I mean, it's, it requires a lot of time and a lot of effort. And it's a, a great achievement, and it creates leadership. And if you look at some of the great military people that we have, most of them were Eagle Scouts. And when you see that, you want your family to be a part of that. And you want your people to understand. We want our firm to understand it. The firm is very committed. The culture in the firm is very committed to uh, to giving back. It's a firm culture. And when new people come in, they are expected. You don't force them, but we expect you to be involved in the community and the Boy Scouts being one of them. So you're talking about the Nisabacha LLP, um, that, that organization? Right. right. So one of the things that I, I touched on briefly, you, you founded that um, accounting firm about 45 years ago, and you've really seen it evolve to about 100 uh, folks uh, under your employee. Do you think the idea of giving back and, and trying to instill that in your in your firm has helped it grow? It's probably something that you can't quantify, but it does show in the, A, the leadership of the staff that you have involved. You know, I don't work, these people don't work for me, we work together. There's no such thing as 
uh, everybody being under anybody. We all work to make this a better place to be. And having it around, it has to help. But I don't think that was the, the core or the desire. We wanted it to be something very, very special that people learn to do this because volunteerism is dying in the, it was dying in the United States. Nobody wants to go out and volunteer anymore. We're trying to do something that would induce people to want to volunteer and have their families volunteer because that's how we're going to bring it back. And it's, it's similar to the volunteer firemen. It's very difficult to get volunteer firemen. Now I got my son-in-law as a volunteer fireman. And, you know, we were already grooming our kids. Uh, my grand, actually, our, my kids, my grandchildren into, into the thinking that way as they, as they get a little older. Yeah. Ray, you, you said something that I found uh, really, um, striking in, in terms of this idea of volunteerism. One of the reasons why I wanted to start the show is to hopefully, um, help folks who were sitting on the sideline that were interested but didn't really know and how to do it. And, and that's why I want to bring guys like you on is to show to to volunteers critically important to give back to the community and also instill it in your family and your children with that important legacy and tradition. Lou, um, obviously, you know, your dad um, was involved with the Boy Scouts of America, got the Lifetime Achievement Award. And I was so honored to watch you uh, get that award in 2018. Um, what, when did your involvement start with the Boy Scouts? Well, thanks for being there, Todd, when I was recognized. Uh, Sheriff Jim Gannon recruited me to be uh, active with the Boy Scouts. And since then, I've also been an MC for one of their events. And just, you know, a little father-son competition here. I believe I was told I raised more money for my event than, <laughs> than he raised. So, uh you know, every once in a while, I got to tap myself on the back here. You did, know. did you guys drive in the same car? We might have a problem. You might be somebody. <laughs> somebody might be walking in the snow. But um, in terms of the Boy Scouts of America, you know, your dad taught uh, touched on the, the leadership qualities and the idea of uh, the kind of person or people that have to be involved and be committed. Have you seen that too, Lou, in your involvement? Absolutely, absolutely. Because my uh, my son Raymond is now involved in Boy Scouts. And uh, it, it's nice to see the, yeah. a third generation of us in scouting. Um, and, you know, Todd, it's interesting, but the kids are so much more into community involvement today than we were. So I, I think there's hope for the lack of volunteering that's occurring in our community today. And I say that because, you know, my, my children are involved in everything. You know, well, we're doing a collection for the animal shelter. My daughter's running around door to door collecting cat food. Uh, my son was involved in some club in school. He's out collecting stuff. Both of my kids are in the garden club at school. And what happened? They needed some repairs done in the garden club. Sure enough, we're all out there on a Saturday morning fixing the planting boxes. It's... Um, you know, some of this comes back to Scouts because my daughter is involved in Girl Scouts. But I think it's important that the kids at this age get that taste of life, get that experience and understand that it's not just all going to work and then coming home at 5 o'clock and 
putting your feet up. It's an important aspect of everyone's life should be to be involved in your community. No question about it, Lou. And this is one of the things that, you know, I miss my dad dearly and my mom, uh, incredible parents, and watching the father-son, the Nisavachi, uh, you know, talk about this is really an honor today. And that's one of the reasons why I was excited to have you both on is to really touch upon that because it does seem that because your dad, you know, Ray has really shown the path to show what it's like to give back despite an incredibly busy schedule. You have watched your dad and now your kids are following, you know, not only in your their grandfather's footsteps, but your footsteps, and I could see how how happy you are and and the pride, and also um, your dad here. Uh, I'm sure feels very very good about. It. I don't want to put words in your your mouth, Ray, but you know, hearing that about you know lose kids now, starting to um, you know give back and 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 do wonderful things for the community. What what are your thoughts? I think it's great. It's only going to make them better people as they. Uh I'm going to say mature because they're going to start taking on leadership roles because of it. They're not going to be afraid to be out front. And that's something that you don't anticipate when they start this, but it evolves. It evolves because they start to learn what things, what has to be done to get things achieved. And it's great. It's great to sit back and watch it. And uh, all I think we have is we're just... We're just creating new leaders for the community. That's all. No, I think it's wonderful. I mean, certainly to see kids at a younger age get involved does bode very well for all of us. And um, I'm always a believer, you know, some critics say it's the me, me, me generation. I say it's the we generation because we're all in this all together. And the more that we're involved in the community, I think it enriches everyone's life. Um, I wanted to touch on, you know, Ray and, and, and Lou in terms of some other organizations you both have been involved in. Um, the Kiwanis Club, Ray, you've been involved uh, as a life member for the Dover Kiwanis Club. Um, could you outline a little bit about how you got involved with the Dover Kiwanis Club? Well, I got involved again. It was a client of mine, and I'm going to say it had to be somewhere around 19... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. 1962 or 1963. And he brought me to a Kiwanis Club meeting. And I don't know if I was allowed to get out of there without becoming a member and that's how it started <laughs> and then it's funny that's how i got involved in rotary <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's it's i know it sounds funny you know but that's what happened you know we went to a meeting and at the time uh, dover was a uh, much much bigger community business-wise the kiwanis club was a very very big organization at that time it has since dwindled and now i think there's only like uh a dozen members maybe and uh, they really don't have any meetings anymore because they just can't harness the group you know and every the members that they have are all more mature at this point i think that's a probably a kind way to put it it's been very kind <laughs> but it is the holiday season so yeah, that's why be very kind to <laughs> we know that speaking of dover something we were both involved in is the board of the salvation army mm-hmm I mean, yeah. you were on the board, um, I'm going to say back in the 1980s. In the 80s, I was on the board of the Salvation Army in, uh, in Dover. Yeah. That was another great, great experience. I mean, you just learn how to start. If you want to talk about helping people, there's an organization that does it. Yeah. And once again, it's local effort. You're, you're helping people right here in Morris County. 
Um, I remember when I first got involved on the board, probably a dozen years ago now, that um, some of my cohorts were, were busting on me. Does that mean we're going to see you out there ringing the bell for the Salvation Army around the holidays? Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, no, no, I'm a board member. I'm not going to do that. And a couple of years ago, the um, the chair came comes to me and says, we're really short on some folks that can do some bell ringing. Do you want to do it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, it's right around the holidays. There's always so much to do. I said, fine, I'll take a couple hours slot. It was the coldest day of December. And they said, all right, here's your bell. Here's your, your kettle. Go ring your bell. It was the best experience of my holiday season. And I, I still do it to this day. I still do a couple hours here and there whenever no one else is available. And I'll go ring the bell. And it's a very rewarding experience. I'm amazed number of people come to me and say, oh, I know you, I've I've seen you here, I know your father, I know your family. And then they come out of the store and they hand me a hot coffee or they hand me a hot chocolate. I'm like, it's okay, I I can get my own hot chocolate. It's like, no, but you're out here doing this and I'm not. So, and then they still, you know, stuff $20 in the kettle. So you touched on something, you know, obviously we're all, you know, visualized that scene, you know, maybe from a movie or whatever, and someone's out there doing it, but you've actually done it. You've actually been out there in the trenches, and you, you discussed, um, Lou, about I it. I wouldn't call it the trenches, Todd. <laughs> Usually you're out front of a modern shopping center. <laughs> right, well, I, maybe I got a little caught up. It's pavement, it's, it's okay, you know, we're... Basically trying, safe, okay? I was trying to set the stage. I might have gotten a little worked up. You got a little carried away there, yeah. I, I, and, uh, for the listeners, sometimes I get a little energetic. Um, but going back to the rewarding aspects of it, uh, in terms of, um, I know you're, you're out there and you're meeting folks and they're donating, but, um, you, you, you called it rewarding. And for those individuals that are thinking about maybe getting involved and, and understanding what that true meaning is to be a volunteer, what, what do you mean by rewarding? Oh, the experience is incredible. Every once in a while, you run into someone who said, hey, I'm going to stuff some money in your kettle. Oh, thank you. I always say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah. I, I try to get all the holidays in so that we're all included. But someone says to me, you know, I lost my job a couple of years ago and I fell on tough times and I went to the Salvation Army and they, they gave me... No questions asked. They gave me a, a bag of food and helped me pay my electric bill one month and helped me with a few other things. And I'm a believer. Now I'm, I'm back on my feet. My family's doing great. Here I am, you know, buying groceries in this, the shopping store and, uh, you know, I'm happy to, to pay it back. Yeah. So, and you know, you know, it's one thing to be on a nonprofit or be involved in a group and say, all right, we're just sitting around a table patting ourselves on the back. But once in a while, it is nice to get one of those letters from um, one of the survivors of, say, the 200 Club. Hey, dad didn't come home from a shift. It was the worst experience for the for my family. But over the years... The money helped. We learned to live. We learned to adjust. And people write you the most heartfelt letters. 
And that's not why any of us do it. I don't think that's why any of us do it. It's, but it's nice to get, hey, we did make the right positive experience in a lousy situation for someone. I think that really helps. You know, we had um, the Interfaith Food Pantry last week, uh, right before Thanksgiving, and um, one of the very, very, very nice guests was Margaret MacBohm, who um, got help from the Interfaith Food Pantry, and you know, she, she paid it forward and came back and volunteered and helped in the kitchen, and and really is a proud supporter of it as well, which um, further exemplifies folks uh, paying it forward and recognizing, you know, it could happen to anyone where you need a helping hand. But I do agree, uh, Lou and Ray, I think people like you gentlemen that get involved, it's not for the pat on the back. Obviously, it's nice to get recognition from folks you help out, but um, it's really just giving back. Am I right? You just want to help? It is, and you know, Todd, I'll get the calendar out, so next time we're ringing the bell, I'll make sure there's a slot open for you. <laughs> uh, will I, could I possibly be in the trenches is the question. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good if point. If you need there. the trenches, we'll see what we can do to accommodate right. for you. Right. Right. You know, we, have to, we all have to remember that uh, where we came from, and you can't forget that. Right. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to follow up uh, with the Nisabachias in a few minutes. The Todd Leonard Show is sponsored by the Leonard Foundation, whose mission is to support the children and families who are battling pediatric cancer and those in need of food and assistance, women's shelters, and other important social services in the community. They also proudly support those fighting pancreatic cancer. They feel it's vitally important to help those in need in our amazing community when they need us the most. Please join them in extending a helping hand and go to LeonardCharity.org and donate now. Together, we can touch many lives. Good morning. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm really honored to have Ray and Lou Nisabaccio, local businessmen who have really given back for many, many years in our great county of Morris and uh, never cease to amaze me with their commitment. We've been detailing some of their organization involvement, and it's really remarkable, their dedication to the community. Lou, I want to ask you a little bit about, I know that um, you're currently the Randolph Township Council person here in Randolph. How'd you get involved in Randolph, um, the Randolph Township? Uh, well, I'm one of seven elected council people, and uh, I'm a lifelong Randolph resident, and I've been involved in a whole lot of Randolph activities over the years, and uh, I was flattered when they asked me if I considered running for office. And uh, when did you recently uh, take that position, Lou? Uh, this is my first year serving on the council. Is it what you expected it to be? Uh, it's a lot of reading. But uh, overall, it's um, a very rewarding experience. Um, you, you get to fix a lot of problems or hear what people's problems are and see if you can find some way of making it work. And and I understand you're, you've been a, a resident of Randolph. Is that pretty much your, your hometown? I'm a lifer. Randolph Lifer. I went to Randolph High School, and um, my kids still like to refer to Randolph High School as Daddy's High School. We drive past it. But, uh, so it's important since you're raising your family to really be involved in Randolph, um, you know, the Randolph community, issues that might be facing the community. Yeah, and you know, we're very fortunate at Randolph because Randolph just seems to do it right. We've got great programs, we've got great parks, 
the recreation activities for our young people are, are top notch. Um, my kids and I are, my wife, we're at the library every week. There's always programs there. The resources are incredible. I just, I'm happy to be part of the town, happy to be part of the community. And uh, I'm also, like you say, I want to make sure that the Randolph is there that I grew up with for my children. Um, so they have the same great experience as I did growing up. I think it's wonderful that you, you know, you're active in, in local issues since, um, it's important to really know what's going on in your own town. A lot of folks, um, you know, don't really recognize what's involved to run for the office and then assume the office. It sounds to me like you got a lot on your plate, Lou, but it's a great thing you're involved in. You know, Ray, I was uh, once again preparing and I went over, you know, the various organizations and achievements and awards you received. And I understand in 2005 you had the Caritas Award from the Community Soup Kitchen right here in Morristown. Um, how'd you get involved with the soup kitchen? Uh, the soup kitchen, I got involved in. I'm going to say it's been 25 years. Uh, I'm guessing a little bit here. It might be a little longer than that. A uh, very good uh, friend of mine who lived in Randolph at the time was the treasurer for the soup kitchen. And he was getting ready to move his family. They were moving back to, I'm going to say, Louisiana. I think that's where he he was moving to. And he he's a good friend. I knew him through his son and, and Lou in the in the events, the activities that they had in school. And he said to me, he says he needed a favor. He says, Could you assist us and become the treasurer of the uh soup kitchen? Which is by the way, just about a month ago changed its name to Nourish New Jersey. Not that it's because we've expanded our uh, our facilities, our capabilities. That's what. It, and he asked me, and I said, "Sure, I give you a hand." You know, I figured it was going to be something that was going to hang around for maybe a year or so, and they'll find somebody else. And it's funny how all these stories start the same <laughs> way, isn't it? <laughs> and I just hung in there. Uh, it was great to watch how we take care of the people who cannot take care of themselves. Uh, the serving of the uh, the lunches and now breakfast as well. Uh, it's really fascinating to watch all the volunteers. It's all, I mean, we have a permanent staff, but most of the work is done by the volunteers. There's uh, 30 churches, synagogues, uh, temples. I think it's 30 who are directors, if I can use that that title of the soup kitchen and or nourish New Jersey now and they have a requirement that they have to have a a group there to serve on specific days and it's really unbelievable you everybody's so much enthusiasm you know you would think something like that would wear thin it does not the people come and they actually love it because they they feel it they feel the give back if that's a an appropriate phrase at that point. At this point, it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful to see people get excited about helping others, and this is this is a classic of it right here. Lou, you have some examples of watching other folks give back and how they get so much out of it. Well, that's some program down there in Morristown, because I've been there around lunchtime and people are lined up around the corner to get in there. That's not a they're not serving a dozen lunches. No, it's 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 a big deal. 
And, and I guess that further reinforces the safety net to help out in this great county to those who need a, a help up, a hand up um, in terms of just making sure there's food. I mean, because a lot of folks take it for granted. Everybody must have food. Uh, everybody can afford it. But we realize there's folks, unfortunately, that for whatever reason don't have the financial wherewithal to do it. But that's wonderful, Ray and, and Lou, to see that firsthand, uh, you know, the uh, enthusiasm for those volunteers. Ray, in terms of your various organizations you've been involved in, um, I, I also notice you've been involved in, in the Centenary College uh, for, with the, for those folks. How did you get involved with Centenary College? Well, I guess the same story can be said time and time again. It's uh, They had an opening on the board, I'm going I'm to say 10, 12 years ago, and they asked if I would be willing to serve as a trustee. And I said, sure. And we went right ahead. And uh, at the time, as it was explained to me, there's only, I think they told me there was only three meetings a year. And I said, that's fine. Well, they weren't quite telling me the whole story. <laughs> it was, you know, you got your committees. You got uh, special meetings. But it, it's necessary because you're here. You are now educating the future uh the future people, the future leaders of the world. Uh, I have been able, I was blessed to have emceed three or four of their galas where we were raising, we raised an awful lot of money for scholarships. And uh, it was, it was really an honor for me because I can see the young people. Uh, we have, uh, I'm going to say over the years hired as many as 10 individuals out of centenary maybe more out of their uh, their program to come and work with us uh, which is really good it, it's good for them it's good for us but it was also good to see the people growing up you see them as a freshman you see them as a sophomore you see them as a junior then all of a sudden they become adults and it's, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's when the day they graduate, you see a different person. Now, the education is vitally important. Lou, you know, before we started the show, I was joking with you. I was watching the, the parade on Thursday. I, I love the floats. I, I'm still a little kid at heart. I'm blessed with two little boys. I think I was more excited than the little youngsters there in the Leonard residence. But all of a sudden, I saw the Grinch. And I, I had no idea, but um, I understand uh, you have actually, you're the pilot of the Grinch um, float. Yeah, this year I was co-pilot of the Grinch balloon. And the, I'm sorry, the, the Grinch balloon, but I was very, very excited about it. I was just curious because the winds looked wicked. Um, I almost thought I was like a budding expert on basically like when you can actually have the balloons uh, basically in the parade or when you have to ground them. Um, what was your experience this particular year with the uh, with the wind? Well, this was my 18th parade. Uh, been involved with the balloons for all of those years. Um, the day before the parade, I actually go into the city and help with the inflation effort, which is uh, another wonderful activity. But I think it's safe to say in 18 parades, this was the windiest conditions I've ever been through. Uh, I thought after last year's sub-zero degree weather, I couldn't possibly get any harder, but I was wrong. Uh, those balloons flew low. They very, very low. Uh, the expression is we dragged them down the parade route. Uh, 
and uh, unfortunately, we got a good uh, a good experience for uh, for the children of uh, the country to see these balloons fly. It's such a big deal for so many people to see it. Um, my kids were on a float, as it turns out. A float, not a balloon. Well, so, there you, yeah. I, well, you have to correct the host. I apologize yeah, no, for the listeners. Well, you know, I think if, if my kids um, or your kids also, Todd, were on handling lines on a balloon, that they, they probably would have been skiing down Central Park West. Okay. Right. Now, it looked like uh, quite a interesting conditions. Um, on, a, on a little bit more of a serious note, much more serious note, Lou, I also know that you're obviously a, a pilot and um, you're an instructor. And uh, once again, in preparation, um, you're involved with the Angel Flight. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about what the Angel Flight, what that's all about? So Angel Flights is uh, one of several organizations. The Angel Flights I belong to is the Northeast chapter. And uh, quite simply, we are so fortunate in our area that if you need to go see a medical specialist, What's the furthest shift to go? Morristown, maybe Hackensack, occasionally New York City. But it's all drivable for us. It's very accessible. We are very fortunate. You get more than a couple hours outside metropolitan New York or metropolitan Boston, and you need to see a specialist, uh, you're, you've got some serious travel concerns. So Angel Flights was set up to provide free medical transportation uh, for those needing medical attention outside their area. And uh, once again, met a lot of great people doing it. Um, I've flown people all around the Northeast. That's a practical reach um, to get people to the metropolitan areas for, for medical treatment. So how long have you been doing that, Lou? This is incredible. Um, about 20 years now. What made you, you know, I, I always ask people, uh, what made you decide to get off the sofa and, and do something like this? I mean, not that you were sitting on the sofa with everything else, but um, how did you, how did you, what's Do we have a sofa? I don't, I don't know. Do you have one? <laughs> do you guys sleep is what I was wondering, probably like the listeners. Well, I can fall asleep in front of anything. Don't worry about that. We got about 15 minutes. Try to stay up. But, um, no, but Lou, uh, once again, I'm serious. I mean, that's a beautiful thing to help, you know. Families, especially that need that transportation, um, you've been doing it for 20 years. But um, what made you decide to use your love for flying and help others? Well, I started flying in the 1980s, and uh, a good friend of mine, who uh, turns out to be is now our pediatrician, uh, asked me if I wanted to do an angel flight with them. And he's like, you know, I don't need a second pilot, but it's always nice to have another one on board. And before you know it, it's like, sure, let's go. And uh, we've flown as far north as Maine and gone pretty far inland to Ohio. And uh, we've flown probably as far south as Florida, helping people out. That's a, that's a beautiful thing, Lou. Any memorable experiences in terms of um, a particular, um, you know, family that needed your help that stands out? We met a, um, she was a young girl, um, house fire, poor thing, had burns all over her person, and uh, she was traveling with her grandmother, and 
the reason she was traveling with her grandmother was every other member of her family died in that fire. And, you know, it's nice to see the, uh, the innocence of youth. I'm going to say she was probably five or six years old. She was as happy as could be. She was walking around the terminal of the airport, meeting everybody, not a shy, shy bone in this kid's body. And anyone else would have said, oh, that poor thing. But you know what? She's going to be just fine. And she's going to she's be an inspiration for others. And she was inspiration for me. It sure sounds, sounds like a beautiful young lady and a beautiful guy, too, Lou, to help others in need as well. There's no question about it. Ray, I know um, I just asked Lou that question. Some of the questions um, you might have anticipated. I don't know if you anticipated that one. Did you know about that flight? Not about that flight particularly. Not about that. I do, I do know that he was doing these flights, which I was very proud of because I think that's a great, great uh, give back. And uh, you don't, he's not getting paid for it. I mean, this is not a, this is all a volunteer. And I think it's, I thought it was wonderful. I didn't hear that story, but it is a great story. Yeah, no, no question about it. But, you know, that's one of the things is, you know, you as a father, then listening to your son about um, what he's been doing and how he gives back. And obviously, um, you set a tremendous uh, example. Do you have some examples, Ray, in your life where perhaps someone that you lent a hand up to or a family in need that might stand out in the many years you've been giving back? Uh, I don't know of a specific. I probably, it probably have, and I don't, you know something? I I blow it off because I just think it's something you should do. I remember my parents were very giving people. I don't, they had nothing. I mean, we're not talking about a family that had uh, money or anything like that. They were very they have very limited funds but i do remember there was people who had trouble financially my mother was always there to try to help them with food clothing you know maybe it was hand-me-downs i don't it wasn't new but my father and mother were very very big on that they were immigrants and it made a big difference for them they just thought everybody had to work together to survive uh, they were great people. I missed them dearly. And I think they had a very profound influence on my life because of everything. Uh, they kept on saying to me, don't forget where you came from. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I think uh, as you get older, you start to realize the influences your parents have in your life uh, and lives, and especially with my parents as well. I saw firsthand uh, just how giving they were and how they always said, you know, you're just like everyone else, do your best to help someone out and bend over backwards, especially for the folks in need, since um, they really do need a hand up. You you just mentioned, you know, about... Um, my grandparents mm-hmm. and what an incredible work ethic Oof. Mm-hmm. like my grandfather and grandmother mm-hmm. both had but you know it hit on something that uh, you know I don't think either one of us would be sitting here today if it weren't for the unquestionable support of our families I mean I remember as a little kid mom was involved in helping out at the hospital mm-hmm. um Making activity, doing activities for the people, um, the nursing home. Even jumping forward a couple of years, my wife Jackie 
is very involved in the 200 clubs, involved in uh, all the kids' programs at school. Uh, Jackie's even the co-chair of the scholarship committee of the 200 Club, which is uh, a very involved effort. And uh, and she works too, so it's not like um, you know she's sitting on that sofa. Uh, she's she's always out there doing something, and, and to this day, mom's still involved with everything. So we're, we're very blessed that we have spouses. They tolerate us. Yeah, tolerate, tolerate. That's, that's probably a very good way to put it. Uh, who accepted what we did because we were never, you're never home when you're doing all these things. Uh, you know, building a business and doing all this other, uh, involvement, having all this other involvement. You have to have a patient spouse, somebody who, who's willing to put up with you. And, uh, you, you all, you, Todd, you know her, you know, she's, she loves everybody, so it's uh, she was she was it was easy. And my daughter was the same way. Uh, we we're blessed that we had uh, spouses that went along with our desires. You know, it's funny. You know, we're we're bringing up some subject that I guess is all kind of related. Is just how families do impact your life. If if your family sets an example, it seems like obviously you're going to try to emulate that. And and obviously the Nisabachi has a very proud proud tradition based on um, Ray, your parents, and you're passing around to Lou and then Lou's kids and so on and so forth. But I think that's important. I mean, we all try to figure out how we can all help each other out. Uh, as a dad, you know, uh, for my boys, I try to work my family off, but also let them know it's important to give back because maybe one day it'll light a fire under them uh, to, to be involved. Uh, I, I kind of chuckle a little bit because my late dad worked harder than anybody else I ever knew in my life. And and my dad always used to joke with me. He was a very, very accomplished trial lawyer. He says, Todd, this beats working. And he used to work from, you know, nine at night, uh, nine in the morning to nine, ten o'clock at night every day we used to run to the garage in Newark and my mom used to scream at us what are you working so hard but that's just how my dad was because his dad was like that and I think that's important to have that work ethic as well I wanted to touch on gentlemen again about this whole idea of the balance you know I always bring up the karate kid with Miyagi and trying to tell Daniel's son you know about the balance in life but um, Lou, how do you, how do you think you find the time between you know you have a very successful IT business, you, you got a wife, beautiful kids, but you're still finding time to do all these remarkable things. How do you think you do it? Uh, two words: time management. Time management. Well, time just, management. can you just give me a little bit of that? We have a little time left. How do you manage juggle it? Manage the time for you here a little bit. You get a few minutes. I get a few minutes to manage my time. Yes. Uh, it's all about being creative with different ways of getting stuff done. Uh, definitely involving the kids in as much as we can. Uh, after the kids go to bed, I usually go back on the computer and try to catch up with either work or some of the stuff that's we've talked about already. It's just a matter of squeezing it all in. Um, neither one of us are big television watchers, so... Um, you no, know, what happens to uh, my? I try to keep my wife. I try to keep my wife very involved. When I say involved, uh, I go to many events. I'm out many nights. Uh, you know, the children are. We don't have children anymore. They're not children. They are, you, yes, you are. You're a parent forever. But 
nobody's home anymore. And I try to take her to as many events as I can. I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And my wife is a little bit of an extrovert. Is that an understatement of the year? I would believe so. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's great because it keeps her mentally challenged. If I can, that's probably not the right word, but right phrase. But she's, uh, it keeps her involved that she's just not sitting home and becoming a bump on a lock. And I think that's probably the best way to manage it if you can. I have the advantage that the children are all out of the house now. There was a struggle when we, the kids were home because she effectively raised the children, you know, and she did a great job. You know, I couldn't have done without her. And so that's, that's a greater support as you could have when you're doing all this stuff. I hope Catherine's listening because um, I know you're really speaking from the heart. Um, Lou, let me ask you in terms of, um, and not to pontificate, but for those that are listening today and, you know, there's something in their heart that they're touched by. You know, I've been involved with Special Olympics basketball and various sports for years. So I don't know why, just something bad to touch my heart. And I just said, I, I want to get involved. Um, any advice for those folks that haven't yet, haven't not yet gotten involved, but, um, you know, any advice on maybe uh, what they should be thinking about? Just take that first step. It's, you know, so easy that they're going to say, well, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll put it off to next week, or I'm going to wait till after the holidays to get involved. Do it now. Take that first step. Does, um, does a waterfall starts with but a single drop of water? And in terms, Lou, of your many years of giving back, um, has it exceeded your expectations on what you've gotten out of it for putting all the, all the effort in? Absolutely. And, and for example, when you, you landed, uh, on the, um, Angel's flight with that unfortunately very badly, um, burned young girl, when you got back to your house, um, how'd you feel inside? You know, it's nice you take a deep breath, you see. All the things that were really bothering me. Oh, this is happening, or I don't have this, or I have a problem with that situation. You know, it takes you, it grounds you a little bit. Take a step back, take a deep breath. We're so fortunate. No, no question. So fortunate. And, you know, in terms of giving back and rewarding and everything, I teach um, Sunday school, now called Faith Formation in our church. And I've been doing it for a couple years. I never thought I was ever going to be involved in this. And uh, I teach my son's class. Um, My daughter wants me to teach her class. But it's it's forced me to be a little more involved in them. It's something I can do with them. We got the kids involved. But it's allowed me to really grow with my relationship with God. Well, that's, that's no question. You got to be close to God. Uh, how about Ray? From your perspective, you're you know, if my math is correct. I can't give your age away. You look great, um, but um, <laughs> I'm 81. Oh, God bless. <laughs> uh, we'll go. We're going to give the half a century plus. Then I don't want to blow you up like that. But um, so, Ray, what about from your perspective about any advice to listeners who are maybe thinking about giving back and you know becoming a volunteer? at a soup kitchen or um, any organization in this great community. Um, any advice? Well, it's, I think Lou started it off right. Start, take the first step, 
do something that's manageable, that you can complete, not something that you want to just join, go once or twice and not be involved because it's too much work. I think you have to start with something that allows you to get a taste of the organization that you you want to work with, where it doesn't commit your entire life to it. You don't you don't get so overwhelmed with it initially, because all these organizations, the longer you stay in, the more overwhelmed you start to become, and it's great. That's where the reward really starts to show. And my best guess, you start with something that you can live with, and then it'll grow from there. And you will grow. Your your mind grows and your life grows. And that, that was what I wanted to ask you, too, right, since I asked Lou about what you think you've gotten out of um, your many years of giving back. Is there any any things that you're kind of left with now that you've been involved for over half a century in giving back? Well, in a small way, I feel it's uh, I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing success from people. You know, that you've worked with over the years. I, you know, in the college, I'd like to see the students who graduate, graduated, who you spoke to one day were freshmen. And you, you just watched them mature. Uh, in the Boy Scouts, when I've seen some of them, when they were 12, 13 years old, presenting the flag, and then becoming Eagle Scouts four or five years later, that's nice to see. I mean, you see the future leaders of the world, Man, does that make you feel good? Because everybody says the future stinks, that nobody, we don't have a chance. It's not true. No question about that, right? So, gentlemen, I wanted to thank both of you again for, you know, getting up early and joining us right after, you know, long Thanksgiving holiday break. I wanted to also thank our listeners again for tuning in. You know, each week I do my best to bring folks on that truly embody the ideas of giving back to make it the we generation, to land the hand up, to not just think about yourself, but think about others, to think about our great community, to thank first responders, to thank those who not give them, not to worry about themselves, but worry about others. You know, just one other anecdotal story, the concept of paying, paying it forward. I was at the Black Horse last night in Mendham, and uh, a wonderful anonymous couple paid for dinner. Um, I don't know why, but that was very thoughtful. But I love the idea of paying it forward. I want to once again wish everybody a blessed Sunday and look forward to speaking with you next week. Thank you. Yeah.